Democrats, who when President Trump wanted to address the border crisis, told us it wasn't a crisis, are now excoriating Republicans for not dealing with the unprecedented humanitarian crisis while not allowing those same Republicans to deal with the crisis. We will examine the left's strange relationship with crises. Then Google calls Ben Shapiro and Dennis Prager Nazis, and the Washington Post smears me, your humble host, for mentioning historical facts. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Is there a crisis at the southern border or not? Here's what the left is saying right now, care of Don Lemon. We have some breaking news tonight, and that is on the House. The House has voted 230 to 195 to pass the border supplemental bill to provide four and a half billion dollars in aid to address the crisis at the border. And for anybody who doesn't think immigration is a crisis, a deadly serious crisis, a humanitarian crisis, I got to show you this picture. It's a shocking, devastating picture. Sounds like it's a crisis. Okay, that's what the left is saying now. Here's what the left was saying three months ago when President Trump pointed out that we have a crisis at the southern border and he wanted to declare a national emergency and get funding to stop that crisis. Here's what that exact same leftist was saying. Here's a really, really disgraceful thing. Okay, you listening? All of this, this whole mess is manufactured. It's a manufactured crisis, a non-crisis at the border that's really not fooling anybody. People may think, oh, it's a crisis, it's a crisis. They know it's not a crisis. That's all for political expediency. (laughs) They know, they know better. Was past Don Lemon just talking about future Don Lemon? I think that might be the case. He's a prophet wasn't just Don Lemon, though. There were a lot of other Democrats who at that time, three months ago, were referring to the border crisis as a fake manufactured crisis. It's a manufactured crisis and a crisis that uh, manufactured by the Trump administration. Manufactures crises. The president has manufactured a crisis. Final point, Steve What Cortez. you just cited about, about criminality between native-born and immigrants, first of all, that's not true. There's a lot of conflicting studies. But even no, there if there is only when you include illegal entry as criminality, do you get the numbers where you want them? No, that's not true. Yes, that's the genuine humanitarian and security crisis at our southern border. Yes, there are. No but even if I, that's fake news. Not real, there are not. It's fake no, news. It's fake but, news for you to inject if, BS okay, and say that it's look, equal to the real data. The fact is... President Trump must stop holding the American people hostage, must stop manufacturing a crisis. What the president is doing is manufacturing a crisis. Chris Cuomo, Nancy Pelosi, Tim Kaine, the man who was almost going to be the second woman president, all of them calling this a manufactured crisis. I also, I have to be fair to my pal Ed Henry there, he was quoting national Democrats who were saying that when he brought it up as a talking point on the show. They were all saying it's a fake crisis. Now, Elizabeth Warren just tweets, she tweeted out at that time in March, quote, a fake crisis at the border is fear mongering of the worst kind and we're not falling for it. I voted to terminate the president's ridiculous national emergency. That was then, that was in March. Now, what is Elizabeth Warren saying? She just tweeted out this video yesterday. I'm in McAllen, Texas, because I want to see with my own eyes what's happening at the processing and detention centers. I'd like to be able to show pictures of it, but they won't let us take any cameras or recording equipment inside. So I'll just do my best to tell what I saw. Um, 
the processing center, it was like nothing I've ever seen before. It was a giant warehouse with cages full of people. It, it, it was a processing center, only what they process are human beings. I've seen a couple of the pictures that have been released of what the cages look like, but there are cages that are much smaller, maybe 10 by 30, densely packed with men. Uh, one cage after another cage after another cage after another cage. And then in another part of the facility, the same sort of thing with women. First of all, 10 by 30 is not that small. My first bedroom in Manhattan was 10 by 7 feet. It was 70 square feet. Just a minor point. But they keep using the word cages, right? Because this is the crisis. We've got people in cages. What do they mean by cages? It's not cages. It's a big room. They've got a big room where illegal aliens are being held because you have to hold them somewhere. The only reason they're calling it a cage is because the people are not allowed to leave. They're not allowed to come and go freely. Why are they not allowed to come and go freely? Because they're under arrest. They have been arrested coming into this country illegally. They are foreign nationals. They're not American citizens. The only alternative to that would be to let them just come in and roam free with open borders. That's the difference. But there are, there are fences there. Okay. First of all, left-wingers, I thought you said that fences don't work. Clearly the fences are working pretty well there. So what do they want? It seems they want open borders, but let's say they don't want to quite admit that yet. Maybe they want uh, nicer conditions or something like that. Maybe. For the past two months, the left has been arguing that the detention centers are torturous. AOC said they're concentration camps because the people there don't have beds. They, the children don't have beds. Here's Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC going off on this. Our next guest has been visiting children in custody at the southern border for 12 years. She says that she has never seen conditions as bad as what she saw there last week. That is when the Trump administration was in federal court arguing that they can provide safe and sanitary conditions for the children without providing the children with soap or toothbrushes or toothpaste, and that it is perfectly safe and sanitary to sleep on cement floors where so many of the children are now forced to sleep. They're sleeping on cement floors. They don't have beds. Okay, fair enough. So the Democrats won't fund border security and they don't have enough beds because we've got 3,000 people coming into this country illegally every single day. So what does the Trump administration do? They order some more beds. They order $200,000 worth of beds for the facilities. Problem solved, right? The left is going to be happy, right? Uh, not quite. We'll get to their reaction in a second. But first, communication in a marriage is key. And if we're all being honest with one another, some things are difficult to discuss with our spouse or really with anyone for that matter. And one of those things is sex. Even though, these are the statistics, 52% of guys over the age of 40 and 26% of guys under the age of 40 experience erectile dysfunction. Nobody wants to talk about it, but this is a prevalent issue. Studies show that 70% of men who experience ED don't get treated for it for just that reason. And that's where our friends at Roman come in. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. I know guys don't want to go down to the pharmacy and have people yelling about this condition. People sometimes want to keep it discreet. 
Getting started is very simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging. I emphasize discreet. Right to your door with free two-day shipping. You, you can go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a very tough thing to tackle, so it's really important to get checked out with Roman. It is easy to connect with a doctor. And we know sex is an important thing, guys. Sex is very essential to, to the human experience. Don't be embarrassed about it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That is GetRoman.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, for a free visit to get started. It has never been simpler or more discreet or easier or more accessible to fix a very common problem and a problem that really does affect people's lives. GetRoman.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Speaking of beds, the Trump administration now has ordered $200,000 worth of beds because we're being flooded by illegal aliens. There aren't enough beds for all of them. The left is making a big issue out of this. So fair enough. We're ordering the beds. How does the left react to that? Are they happy? No, they're not happy because they don't want the beds. They, they want open borders. Actually, they're now doing their best to not provide the beds to the Trump administration. The employees at the company Wayfair, which is sort of, you know, middle of the road furniture company. They, uh, you know, they're very big. They, they service a lot of America. Trump administration orders from them and the employees actually walked out on the job rather than fill the order for the beds. They staged a walkout at the company's Boston offices. The report said, quote, employees of the Boston-based online housewares giant Wayfair announced Tuesday they would stage a walkout at the Back Bay offices to protest the company's decision to sell furniture to operators of facilities for immigrant children detained at the U.S. border. So they're upset that the Trump administration is ordering $200,000 worth of bedroom furniture for detention centers. Their, Their statement read, quote, over the last two days, it has come to our attention that Wayfair has again engaged in sales with BCFS, a nonprofit government contractor managing camps for migrants at our southern border. So now the left is not willing to provide beds to illegal alien children in order to own the cons for not providing beds to illegal alien children fast enough, even though they're trying to do it now and they can't, they can't do it. That's the idea. Obviously, if the left cared about providing the beds, they'd ship the beds. They'd ship double the beds. They'd give them a discount on the beds. They'd get them there one day shipping, two hours shipping, like Amazon Prime or something. But they don't care about that. They just want open borders. It's also an incoherent protest. doesn't make a lot of sense. If they're still working with any federal contract, then they're working with the people who are hosting these detention centers. The left t- tries to pretend that money is not fungible. Money is fungible. You can't work at Planned Parenthood and say, oh, listen, I have no connection to the abortion industry. I don't work at all with the abortion industry because I just work at the cafeteria at Planned Parenthood. Oh, no, I just work in the condom department. I'm not in the abortion department. So even though I'm providing my services to Planned Parenthood, I, it's, I, don't worry, I'm not working in abortion. They Actually, speaking of Planned Parenthood, they do this with the Hyde Amendment. Theoretically, in the United States, taxpayer funding can't go to abortion but we give Planned Parenthood half a billion dollars a year. And we just pretend we're not funding abortion because we say, oh, they're going to use it to keep the lights on. They're going to use it to pay 
their phone bills, but they're not going to use it literally to perform abortions. Money is fungible. If, if this company is doing business with any other department of the federal government, the EPA, the energy department, the whatever, the military, they're working with the institution, the federal government, which is housing these detention centers. But it's, it's virtue signaling. It's trying to create some pressure. It's trying to create open borders. So in March, when President Trump dis- described the border crisis as a national emergency, Democrats said it was a fake crisis. Now the Democrats say it's a real crisis. Okay, that's fine. I think it's a real crisis too, so I'm glad they came around. Except the Democrats don't want the Republicans to do anything to actually fix the crisis. They don't want us to declare a national emergency. They don't want us to fund a border wall. They don't want us to fund immigration enforcement. They want to abolish immigration enforcement. They want to abolish ICE. They don't even want us to buy beds for the illegal aliens that they're complaining don't have any beds. Two factors are at play here. Why are they doing this? The first factor is that we have the first Democrat presidential debate tonight, and it is going to be such a delight. I can't wait. So they're all trying to out left wing one another. They're all basically, they're going to all be speaking in Russian by the end of this. They're going to be calling each other comrade by the end of the day before they get to this debate. The second, and this is the more important aspect of this, is that the left and the Democrats want open borders. They're now actually admitting this. So don't, some people I think accuse me of being hyperbolic sometimes. Don't take my word for it. Cory Booker, Democratic Senator, current candidate for president of the United States, possibly. I think he's polling below 0%, but he's still a candidate. He tweeted out, quote, there's nothing criminal about seeking a better life for your family. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We have to do the right thing and decriminalize border crossing. There it is. The next time that the left tells you they don't want open borders, read them that tweet. He is saying we need open borders. If crossing the border illegally is no longer illegal, that's an open border. Now, what's so funny, poor Cory Booker can't catch a break. The same day that he tweets this, Nicaragua announces that it's arrested four ISIS terrorists who were in Nicaragua on their way to cross into the border illegally, cross into the United States illegally. So they, they gave out this announcement. The three men are identified as Mohammed Ibrahim and Mahmoud Sami Asa from Egypt and Ahmed Ghani Mohammed Al-Juburi from Iraq. The fourth man, Mustafa Ali Mohammed Yaoub from Iraq, had travel documents issued on June 13th. Those guys don't sound Nicaraguan to me. I don't know. My Spanish isn't so great. They don't sound like they were, they were poor Nicaraguan people just trying to find a better life in the United States. Maybe I don't want to be judgmental or anything. You've got four ISIS terrorists trying to come up through that porous border, a major national security crisis. And the Democrats won't admit it. They admit now they want open borders. So why do they want open borders? On a very basic and electoral level, they want open borders because open borders guarantee Democrats a steady stream of voters. This is just the way it works. They, people who cross illegally into the country, obviously they can't vote. 
but unless they get legal status. But over time, their children, their grandchildren will be able to vote. And study after study shows they are between three and eight times as likely to vote for Democrats as Republicans. So this is just a basic electoral matter. They can take over the country politically if they flood it with illegal aliens from Central and South America. But there's a broader level issue here, which we'll get to in a second. But first, I've got to tell you about the coolest gift you can possibly give. If you want to give a truly meaningful gift, you have got to try paintyourlife.com. If you, you, you just have, you have an original painting of yourself or your children or your family or whatever, a special place that you like or a pet or something, you can have this custom painting made at a price that you can afford from paintyourlife.com. This is an actual painting. I have to stress this. It's not some digital fake. It's not some cheat. It's an actual painting done by hand by a world-class artist created from a favorite photo. So I, I did this. I got one of these for my stepbrother for his wedding. Took a photo from the wedding. It was actually a bit of a complex photo. It was in Grand Central and he and his wife are there and, and there are people kind of in the, milling in the background. Grand Central, such beautiful architecture. I got to tell you something. I didn't have very high expectations. I thought, okay, what are the, you know, what are the odds this is actually going to be a nice piece of art? Within like two weeks or less, we get this beautiful oil painting. I, I was stunned by how incredible this came out. I'll, I'll post it on Twitter. I may have posted it already. It also in beautiful framing for an incredibly low price, but this is a truly beautiful work of art. I'm already commissioning another one and you, you should too. You choose the artist that whose work you admire most. You can check them all out on the website. You work with them throughout the process until every detail is perfect. No risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded. I don't know how these guys do it, but it's incredible. And it's a really special gift for someone you love, or it's just a nice thing for you, for you and your wife. Or it's just incredible. Right now is a limited time offer. Get 30% off your painting. That is 30% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text Knowles. Do it right now. You're going to love this. Text Knowles to 484848. That is K-N-O-W-L-E-S to 484848. Knowles to 484848. Message and data rates may apply. So on the basic level, Democrats want open borders because it gives them a bunch of voters. On the broader level, they want open borders because, or rather, they want open borders because it gives them all of these voters. On a broader level, they want open borders because progressives seek to destroy tradition. That's what they do. That's what progressive ideology is. It's the idea that things in the past were bad and things in the future are better and there's a clear path to get to the future, so we're going to march on the way there. The conservative movement was founded against this. Uh, Bill Buckley, when he founded National Review, said, a conservative is one who stands athwart history yelling, stop. Now, the left is going to march toward progress faster and faster and faster. An expedient way to undermine American traditions and culture and, and all those conservatives who are trying to stop you is to flood the country with people who don't speak English, who don't know anything about the American system of government or American history or our traditions here, and also people who are desperate and who are therefore vulnerable to political coercion. The Democrats have been doing this since Boss Tweed. They've been doing this since Tammany Hall in the early 20th century, late 19th century. They have embraced Democrats who come in, or immigrants rather, who come in, and they use them. They use them, one, as a, as a cudgel to sort of undermine the conservative aspects of the culture that they don't like, and they use them as vulnerable and exploitable people. That's what the Democrat machines were. This is, you got to tip your hat to them. This is the best strategy that Democrats have at their disposal. 
It, it's very effective. It's worked for them for over a hundred years. So tip your hat to them, but no one should ever pretend that open borders advocates are exhibiting generosity or charity. It's not that. It is purely cynical politics. 60 to 80 percent of women and girls are raped as they cross that border illegally, according to Fusion and Amnesty International and the Huffington Post. There's nothing charitable about encouraging that system. Children are being victimized. You know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said that the detention centers are like Holocaust concentration camps. Nazi-esque concentration camps. Well, if that's so, then I guess the children's parents are Nazi collaborators because it's the children's parents who are bringing them into this country to go to what AOC is calling a concentration camp. This is, uh, obviously they're either concentration camps or they're not. If they are concentration camps, it's the parents who are doing it. They're, they're being brought over here. This is not just some right-wing talking point. No less a leftist than Barack Obama made this point when he faced down his own immigration crisis in 2014. And he said what we should all be saying now, but what the left won't say, which is stop bringing your children here. This is creating an untenable situation. It's creating a crisis. There's a humanitarian crisis on the border. Some of your critics have said you have to speak out more directly to the people of Central America and say, don't come. If you come, you will be deported. Well, we actually, we've done that. The problem is, is that under current law, once those kids come across the border, there's a system in which we're supposed to process them, take care of them until we can send them back. So is, is your so message don't come? Oh, our message absolutely is don't send your children unaccompanied uh, on trains or through, uh, through a bunch of smugglers. That is our direct message to the families in Central America. Do not send your children to the borders. If they do make it, they'll get sent back. More importantly, they may, may not make it. Could you imagine if he were running in the Democrat presidential primary right now? No one would give him a second look because it's not Barack Obama's party anymore. He was already a very left-wing guy. They've moved so much further left. We'll see how far tonight that the party has veered left and it'll be a lot of fun and I can't wait for tomorrow. Now we'll be able to see how far the Democrats have veered. We, we actually might not be able to see what conservative thinks about how, how, how far the Democrats have veered because Google is censoring us. Don't take my word for it. James O'Keefe at Project Veritas strikes again. He has a whistleblower over there. He's obtained leaked emails from Google's transparency and ethics group internal communications thread. And what that series of messages showed is that Google wants to suppress Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro and Prager University. Why do they want to suppress them? Because they are Nazis. How is that possible? How is it possible that, I'll, I'll repeat those names, Ben Shapiro and Dennis Prager, both members of a certain ancient nomadic tribe of monotheists known for their bad wine and delicious pastries. I think you know which group I'm talking about, and they are not the Nazis. They're actually the opposite of the Nazis. But that's what they're saying now. They're calling well-known, prominent, mainstream Jews Nazis. Here's what the email said, quote, Today it is often one or two steps to Nazis if we understand that PragerU, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, et al. are Nazis using the dog whistles you mention in step one. By the way, I have to pause here. The left always talks about dog whistles. They're the only ones who hear the dog whistles. Conservatives, you'll notice, they don't hear these dog whistles. What does that make the Democrats? 
What does that make the left-wingers? It makes them the dogs. The email goes on. I can receive these recommendations regardless of the content of what I'm looking at, and I have recorded thousands of internet users sharing the same experience. I don't think correctly identifying far-right content is beyond our capabilities, but if it is, why not go with Meredith's suggestion of disabling the suggestion feature? So when you watch a YouTube video, at the end, they suggest other videos. What they're saying is for right-wingers, for conservatives, totally mainstream conservatives, they don't get that feature, so you can't keep watching videos. Ben Shapiro's a Nazi. That's what they say. We joke about this. We we joke about it around here all the time. We say, oh, Ben, you're one of the few yarmulke-wearing Nazis I've ever met. You're the Jewishest Nazi I've ever seen. This is a joke. It's become a meme on the internet. But it's not just a joke or a meme. Employees on the Transparency and Ethics Committee of one of the most powerful companies in the history of the world that totally uh, controls the flow of information around the internet believes that Ben Shapiro is a Nazi. And Google is taking actions based on this. And their response, you are not going to believe their response. But first, if you don't know your numbers, then you don't know your business. And the problem that growing businesses have that keeps them from knowing their numbers is this hodgepodge of business systems. So you start up a business, say, okay, I'm going to use this system for accounting. I'm going to use this system for this. I'm going to use this system here. And, but the systems don't talk to each other. And so you waste a ton of time and time is money just trying to keep everything together. There's so much wasted in inefficiency. I've worked for a number of startups and growing companies. I see it every time. Now, if you've got all these different systems, they're not going to talk to each other. It's too much time. It's taking up too many resources. That hurts the bottom line, which brings us to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the solution. This is what you've got to uh, get for your growing business. It will save you time. It will save you unneeded headaches. You can control sales, finance, accounting orders, HR instantly, right from your desktop and right from your phone. This is why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That is netsuite.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Get your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits. Just check it out. It's a great guide. You've got nothing to lose. Netsuite.com slash Knowles. You will not regret it. So how do you think YouTube and Google responded here? Project Veritas gets the whistleblower, gets the emails, shows all, you can't deny it, right? So what do they do? Because Google, because Google has such transparency, such ethics, they pull the video. They pull the video from YouTube because they control the internet. They control the flow of information. So if some video comes out that makes them look bad, they're just going to delete it. No answer. It doesn't matter. That video was already approaching 50,000 likes and 1 million views. They just pulled it. And then after they pulled it, what are they going to do when they're called out for pulling it? They're going to lie. They're going to pretend they didn't do it. They're going to pretend that we shouldn't believe our own lying eyes. They tweeted out, quote, we've had a lot of questions today, clarifying we apply our policies fairly and without political bias. All creators are held to the same standard. I guess the people running the YouTube Twitter didn't see the email leaked from their very company where they admit that that tweet is a lie, right? I guess that makes sense. What does this all come down to? What it comes down to is that the 2020 race has barely begun. And already they are censoring conservatives shamelessly and they are lying about it shamelessly. And it's coming from the most powerful companies 
in the history of the world who control the flow of information. By the time of this election in, in 2020, I would be surprised if we're still on YouTube. I don't see how they keep, they're already censoring so many of our videos. They're already demonetizing. They're already suppressing us. They are restricting a video that I did for Prager University on language and words. They're censoring and restricting this video. What's in a word? Why does it matter whether we call someone who breaks the law to enter the country an illegal alien or an undocumented immigrant? What's the difference between a Christmas tree and a holiday tree? It's just semantics, right? Yes. And no. It is just semantics, but semantics means the meaning of words. Words exist so that we might discriminate one thing from another. Without words, we have chaos. And it starts with the first words. A baby says mama to distinguish mommy from daddy. Words shape how we think. They color how we view the world. Pretty, pretty crazy stuff, huh? Pretty provocative stuff, talking about words and how we use language. Wow. Oh gosh. Can't, can't show your kids that. If anything, that is a dry video, <laughs> but the left is restricting it. YouTube is restricting it because it shows one of the chief leftist strategies for shaping the culture, which is forcing us to say certain words, to not say other words. So YouTube restricts it. They're actually proving my point by what they're doing. Now, the one way that they're able to justify this is by pretending that conservative content has no value beyond shock and entertainment. And guess what? The Washington Post did this to me, to yours truly, your humble host, just yesterday in a totally ridiculous hit piece. We'll get to it in a second and break it down. But first, I got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Go to dailywire.com, 10 bucks a month, $100 for an annual membership. You get me, you get the Andrew Clavin Show, you get the Ben Shapiro Show, you get the Matt Walsh Show, you get to ask questions in the mailbag, which is coming up tomorrow, get them in. You get to ask questions backstage. You get another kingdom. You get everything. You get the Leftist Tears Tumblr. The Democrats are going to rip themselves apart tonight. They are they are going to make one another look more ridiculous even than they are. Get your Tumblr or you're going to drown. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back. So one way that the left can justify censoring conservatives is they have to pretend that we don't have anything of value to say. Lionel Trilling, a leftist intellectual, said 50 years ago now, 60 years ago, that conservatism wasn't a coherent thought or philosophy. It was just a series of irritable mental gestures. Liberalism was the only intellectual tradition in the United States. So you could just dismiss conservatism. The left is doing that now. And the WAPO did this to me yesterday. This was a piece by Tyler D. Perry. I've got it here. And the headline is, How Right-Wing Talking Points Distort the History of Slavery. The alternate headline for this could be, how the Washington Post distorts the content of the Michael Knowles show. Subheader, as we debate reparations, we need to get the facts right. I agree. I totally agree. What's so funny about this piece is the whole thing is calling me out for getting the facts wrong on the question of the history of slavery. But then never at one single point in the entire article can they point out one fact that I got wrong. And actually a couple times they get some things wrong. So he writes, this guy, Professor Tyler Perry, <laughs> that obviously brings an image to your head of, of Tyler Perry, the movie star. That's, I think that's why this guy puts a D in the middle of his name. He writes, quote, The Daily Wire's Michael Knowles led the critique of reparations on his podcast. 
arguing that the United States was less responsible for slavery than other countries and that slavery was not based on race. So on the first point, that's true. The United States did import few, many fewer slaves than other Western Hemisphere countries. Uh, over 40% of the slaves that were brought to the Western Hemisphere went to Brazil. Between 4 and 6% that came to the Western Hemisphere went to the United States. He never disputes that fact. He's just insinuating that this is somehow a bad thing. Uh, then he says that I said that slavery was not based on race. I never said that. And he actually admits that I never said that later in the piece. He goes on. These arguments have become reflexive right-wing talking points that rely on faulty information and historical misrepresentations to dismiss the devastating consequences slavery had on generations of African Americans. So in my show, I actually begin the discussion by explicitly ad- agreeing with the fact that slavery had devastating consequences on generations of African Americans. I point out that there's a very strong uh, emotional case to be made for reparations, but there's not a strong logical or historical case. But I, I admit the very real consequences of slavery from the beginning. Now, he says, I rely on faulty information and historical misrepresentations. Let's see what those are. It's myth number one. Due to its lower imports, the United States' involvement in Atlantic slavery was insignificant. Never said that, just said they played a much smaller role in it than other countries, which is true. As he writes, critics of reparations often assert that the United States imported a small number of enslaved people compared to other countries in the Western Hemisphere, correctly citing Brazil as the largest importer. Correctly. Okay, good. So one of those misrepresentations turns out I was right, and he's admitting I was right. But the low percentage of imported slaves does not exonerate the United States. That's fine. I never said it exonerated the United States. I explicitly said it did not exonerate the United States. So I guess the way that this professor wants to deal with misrepresentations is he's going to admit that everything I actually said is true. Then he's going to misrepresent what he, what he wishes that I said, and then he's going to explain why that is false. He is a pyromaniac in a field of straw men. He goes on, what's more, low imports did not necessarily result in a more benign form of slaveholding in the United States. I never said it did. Myth number two, slavery was about class, not race. In dismissing the reparations claim, Knowles states that slavery was not simply a racial issue and could not be boiled down to white people had black slaves. That's correct. I never said it was not a racial issue or that it was about something other than race. I said it was not simply a racial issue. Now, is that claim true or false? The guy writing the article admits it's true. He goes on the next sentence. Yes, systems of slavery existed in the ancient world and there are still enslaved people in the 21st century, regardless of race. Right, that's true. So I'm glad we agree. Then he goes on to assail me for an opinion that I never stated. He said, conservatives note that Irish bondspeople labored alongside alongside enslaved Africans in the colonies. So he's saying, he's, he's accusing me of saying that the Irish form of indentured servitude was exactly the same as African slavery in the United States. I never said that. I never made that point. Now he knows I never made that point. So he has to, he has to couch it in this vague language. Conservatives note. He's just talking about broad conservatives, except I'm the only conservative that he actually names in the article. And he alludes to me throughout the entire article. So what he's implying is that I said that, never said it. Myth number three, a black man was the first slave owner in North America. This is an interesting myth because it's true. So let's see how he gets around this. 
said the third most egregious talking point, or the third most egregious point circulating in conservative media is that America's oldest original sin was in fact innovated by a black man, Anthony Johnson, whom Knowles called the first formerly recognized slave owner in the United States. I never said that slavery was innovated by a black man. What I said was, as he quotes me, that Johnson was the first formally recognized slave owner in the American system of slavery that we would come to recognize. The next sentence, yes, Johnson owned slaves. Okay, sounds like I was right. He goes on, his status as the first known slaveholder probably stems from his successful suit against his indentured servant, John Kaser, in which Kaser was deemed a slave for life, an identity that became a determining feature of U.S. chattel slavery. So the first formally recognized slave owner in the United States in the system of slavery that we would come to recognize as American slavery was a black man. He admits that in the paragraph immediately after he refers to that as a myth. Complete contradiction right after one another. Well, how does he try to make this into a myth? Well, he says later on, the focus on Johnson's unique status He's not unique, by the way. There were other black slaveholders. The focus on Johnson's unique status is designed to convey their underlying argument. Not the argument we're actually making, but the argument this guy imagines we're making. If a black man could own slaves in early America, then black people and white people held access to the same opportunities for social mobility. When did I ever say that? Never once. All I said was, slavery was not simply a matter of race. Now, why did I say that? Because the first slave owner was black, And because at the time of the Civil War, and even after the Civil War, after the United States officially abolished slavery, Native Americans of the five five civilized tribes held black slaves at similar rates to neighboring whites. Is that about white supremacy? When Indians own slaves at the same rate as whites, is that about white supremacy? I don't think the Indians are white, are they? No. So he has to assail arguments that I'm not making, And he has to pretend that arguments that I did make, which are correct, and he admits, are somehow not true, even though they're correct. He goes on a little bit. By the end, he says, scholars of slavery in the African diaspora must engage the public with renewed vigor and challenge such misrepresentations. Otherwise, we surrender the narrative to dishonest public figures who selectively edit the system's overtly racist features and its devastating legacy. So he ends by calling me a dishonest public figure even though every point that he talks about the historical misrepresentations, we need to get the facts right. Every point that I actually made that he cites is correct. And yet the headline, what's the headline of the piece? How right-wing talking points distort the history of slavery. We need to get the facts right. But everything I said was true. Who's the one who's distorting history? Who's the one who's not getting the facts right. Who's the dishonest public figure here? Obviously, Professor Perry. Now, why did they publish this at all? I mean, this is a terribly written column. Like this should not have gotten past a 10th grade English teacher. Why did they publish this in the Washington Post, which used to be a newspaper? Because people are just going to read the headline. They're not going to go watch my show. They're going to read the headline. They'll see right-wing talking points distort history. We need to get the facts right. The Daily Wire's Michael Knowles led the critique. Oh, I guess Michael Knowles got the history wrong. I guess Michael Knowles didn't get the facts right. Well, if you read the piece, 
and you read beyond all the innuendo and all of the misrepresentations, actually, you'll see everything I said was true. I got the history right. This professor got the history wrong. The editors got the history wrong. The Washington Post got the history wrong. But they're going to engage in outright lies and smears because they don't want to lose another election. They were very upset they lost in 2016. They're not going to lose again if they have anything to say about it. Speaking of dubious facts, we need to check in. I think we got to check in every single day on that crazy lady who's accusing Donald Trump of rape. And then she said it wasn't rape, but a lot of people are still saying it was rape 23 years ago. In a bizarre twist, it turns out that the story that this woman is describing about her rape by Donald Trump is actually an episode of Law and Order. Yes, there was one a bit plain and it was not her fantasy, it was mine. Okay. Yeah. Ah, uh, role play took place in uh, the dressing room of Bergdorf's. Uh, while she was trying on lingerie, I would burst in. Hold on. Um, yeah. Of course, of course, this is the end of this whole ridiculous saga, is that we find out that this woman who is obviously not stable, who went on Anderson Cooper and said rape is sexy, who said she was raped and she wasn't raped, who said it was 23 years ago, but she never mentioned it until now when she's selling a book. Of course, it turns out that she's just reliving in a fantasy, an episode of Law and Order. I got to give credit to Mindy Robinson. She's the one who dug this up. Really brilliant. I mean, I guess there's a Law and Order episode about everything, but, uh, you know, every single day that this story has gone on, we found out that the story is less and less credible. You had Trump critics on the right, anti-Trump conservatives, and you had the entire left immediately believes this woman, Trump's a rapist. Then it turns out she's just a a crazy lady. And I I say this actually with some compassion. She's not well, and the left is exploiting her and putting her on television. And she's just confusing reality for an episode of Law and Order. The left does not want to reduce sexual assault. They don't care. They don't actually care. If they did, first of all, they wouldn't exploit crazy ladies, which totally undermines this whole case. If they did, they would close up the border, for one, We said earlier, 60 to 80% of women and girls, according to Fusion and Amnesty International, raped as they cross it. If they did want to reduce sexual assault, they would deal with it on campus by sending it to the criminal justice system, to the cops, to trials and juries. They wouldn't deal with it by having a bunch of professors host a committee to expel students. That's not taking rape and sexual assault seriously. If they wanted to reduce rape and sexual assault in corporate America, they would totally burn down our current HR infrastructure, right? All of these Me Too scandals, all of this sexual assault has happened during the period of a total proliferation of HR policies, mandatory sexual harassment trainings. It turns out none of that has worked at all, has it? It seems that the problem's only gotten worse while all of that is happening. turns out that those ridiculous mandatory videos of, of why you shouldn't grope your secretary, turns out that doesn't actually accomplish very much. People don't pay them a lot of heed. Obviously, it's not working. Maybe it's counterproductive. But the left is expanding that infrastructure, expanding regulation, expanding control, even though it doesn't work. They're keeping the border completely open, even though it increases sexual assaults. They're not referring cases of campus sexual assault to the criminal justice system. They just want more and more arbitrary bureaucratic control. 
left doesn't want to fix the immigration crisis, doesn't want to fix the homeless crisis. They just want all of these crises. Why does the left thrive on crises? The left loves crisis because crisis justifies leftism. Leftism is the philosophy of crisis. Leftism only works when the problems are really urgent. They can't wait. We can't have a reasonable debate. We can't discuss this. We can't think about this. We can't reflect on whether the solutions they're offering are actually going to help the problem or maybe they'll make it worse. Leftism only thrives when there's a crisis. We've got to do something now. We've got to change now. Conservatism is the philosophy of prudence, of reason, of taking your time, of some context, of taking things slowly. Let's calm down and let's, let's make sure that we're not going to make the problem worse. At first, do no harm. That's what conservatism is. And when people relax, when they take a moment, when they take a beat, they think, they tend to favor conservative solutions. And the left can't have that. We've been told Trump is a rapist, racist, sexist, monster, traitor, colluding with Russia. We've been told all these things. It's a crisis. We need to take him out. We've got to use the 25th Amendment, get rid of the president. We need to impeach him. We need to get him out. Why? Because his presidency has been very effective, very good. Good for the economy, good for peace abroad, good for Americans who have been left behind in some ways by the global economy, good for minorities, good for everybody. And the minute that we realize that there's not this intense, immediate crisis going on, then we're going to realize that. Ironically, the, the one crisis the one crisis that actually is a crisis going on right now is we're being flooded by illegal aliens. And Democrats, because it's convenient for them, are going to admit that that's a crisis, but they're not going to let us do anything to solve the crisis because they don't want to solve the crisis because the crisis is what gives them their power. And we're going to see a lot of that at the Democrat debate tonight. I can't wait. We'll talk about it tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you then. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Rebecca Dobkowitz and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio is mixed by Dylan Case. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey guys, over on the Matt Wall Show today, uh, there's a crisis on the southern border. I think leftists are finally waking up magically to this fact. What can we do about it, though? Is it is the answer to just fling open the doors, open the border, not enforce our immigration laws? Is that really the most compassionate answer to the crisis? I don't think so. We'll talk about that today. Also, and this is not a joke, a liberal film critic is saying now that Toy Story 4 is racist because there are no black toys. Yes, really. Not a joke. She really said that. We'll talk about that today. Also answer your emails over on The Matt Walsh Show.